Hello and welcome to another edition of the Machinery Safety Matters podcast with your host Barry Shepherd. Today I want to talk to you about user responsibilities and what you must do as an owner and provider of that work equipment. There is a legal framework that places acts and regulations together and at times it may seem a little bit disjointed. It is the aim of this podcast to make clear what the relationship between those acts and regulations are and how they relate and fit together. There are many things to consider when providing or using work equipment and with that comes a lot of responsibility and also there are legal obligations that you must must fulfil. There are some well-known acts and regulations in relation to machinery and some are not so well-known. It is important that just because you haven't heard of it, it doesn't mean that it's not important or it does not apply to your situation. What I want to talk to you about are the four major legal documents that I want to concentrate on. And these are absolutely essential to understanding your basic obligations to ensure that machinery is not only safe, but also compliant. I'm going to briefly explain each one. And they are the Health and Safety Work Act 1974, the Management of Health and Safety at Work Regulations, 1999, the Provision and Use of Work Equipment Regulations 1998, otherwise known as PURE, and lastly, Reporting of Injuries, Diseases and Dangerous Occurrence Regulations 2013, otherwise known as RIDOR. The first one is the Health and Safety at Work Act 1974. This is the one that most people will have heard of. Think of this as the most important one. And because it is an act, it means that it has been voted in and passed by Parliament, which means it becomes enshrined in law and is enforceable in court. It is under this act by which prosecutions are measured against. You may have noticed bulletins for prosecutions under your local enforcement authority, for example, the HSE. It is a Health and Safety Work Act that will usually get mentioned for workplace injuries, along with the words fail to meet section 2. There are four key areas to meet in this section if you want to keep your employees safe. First of all you have to recognise that you as a provider of the equipment are duty bound to ensure that your employees are safe. It's where the book stops. It's you who will be first held to account for anything that results in a dangerous incident. Secondly you have to maintain the equipment to a safe standard so that it doesn't deteriorate and become unsafe to use. You have to ensure safety, not only when it's being used, but if the equipment is being moved, stored, handled, and even the substances contained within it. Thirdly, you have to provide information, instructions, training, and supervision to the users to ensure that the machine is safe to use. This information can be obtained from the manufacturer, but you may need to carry out further work to develop your own safe systems of work that are specific to your business. And fourthly, you have to ensure that access to and from the area of the machine is adequate and maintained. This is something that the manufacturer of the machine cannot control and it is you who must take on this responsibility. You cannot discharge this responsibility onto manufacturers. You, as a provider of this equipment, must understand these obligations. 
The Health and Safety at Work Act 1974 has been approved by the House of Commons, the House of Lords and the Royal Assent. Even the monarch has approved it. This makes it statutory legislation and breaching this act will mean that an authority such as the Health and Safety Executive could take action against you under criminal law, which could potentially mean a prison sentence in the worst of cases. It doesn't stop there either, as this is because both criminal and civil law apply to workplace health and safety. They're not the same. So even if you can demonstrate that you have met your health and safety responsibilities and are clear of any criminal wrongdoing, but a person was injured, then the judgment can be made against you under the civil courts, which usually means some kind of compensation to an injured party. This is also the case if someone else you manage is proved to be negligent. The time for crossing your fingers and hoping for the best are well and truly over. And just because someone hasn't been hurt does not mean that you're in the clear. The main thing is to manage health and safety, which leads me nicely onto the Management of Health and Safety Regulations 1999. This document provides a guide on how to understand and interpret the Health and Safety Work Act 1974. This provides more detail on how to apply the necessary measures to meeting your legal obligations. There is a free guide on the HSC website. Look out for HSG 65. The Management of Health and Safety at Work Regulations 1999 or Management Regs for short require employers to put in place arrangement to control health and safety risks. As a minimum, you should have the processes and procedures required to meet the legal requirements, including all of the following. I've taken this from HSG 65 in relation to the legal duties, and this is provided by the Health and Safety Executive. You can obtain a free copy from their website. A written health and safety policy if you employ five or more people. You must have assessments of the risks to employees, contractors, customers, partners and any other people who could be affected by your activities and you have to record the significant findings in writing if you employ five or more people. Any risk assessment must be suitable and sufficient. Arrangements for effective planning, organisation, control, monitoring and review of the preventative and protective measures that come from risk assessments. Access to competent health and safety advice. So for example, see the Occupational Safety in Health Consultants Register. You've got to provide employees with information about the risks in your workplace and how they are to be protected. You must provide instructions and training for employees in how to deal with the risks, ensuring that there is adequate and appropriate supervision in place, and consulting with employees about their risks at work and current preventative and protective measures. I think you may have noticed one word that appears quite often and that word is risk. There is a high emphasis on identifying hazards and the assessment of that risk. For anyone who works in health and safety they will know and be familiar with the management regulations. There shouldn't be anything that I have talked about so far that should be news to anyone in that kind of role. Regulation 3 sets out the specific requirements for the risk assessment. It applies to every employer 
and it states that they shall carry out an assessment of anything that could possibly harm anyone who comes into contact with any hazards within their control, whether they are employed by them or not. The document produced by the HSE is secondary legislation and means you can be prosecuted in accordance with it, especially if you are found to be in breach of it. It not only applies to employers, but also the self-employed. They are not left off the hook. It also states that you have to review the risk assessments. If there is a reason to suspect that they are no longer valid, or if there has been a significant change to the machine that the risk assessment is referred to. This could be something as simple as putting the machine into a new location, no matter how far it's moved or whether it's a complete redesign. As an employer, you are not allowed to employ young persons under the age of 18 to operate machinery unless you have carried out a risk assessment taking into account their inexperience lack of awareness of potential risks and their immaturity of the young persons. If you employ five or more people, you shall record the risk assessment and any significant findings. You shall also make a record of any group of employees who might be at risk. Think about young persons who fall into that category, for example, apprentices. In Regulation 10, this details information for employees you should make sure that you have information to the risk to health and safety as identified as part of the risk assessment in Regulation 3. This should also include preventative and protective measures, foreseeable misuse and who is authorised to operate the machinery. There is more detail to be covered within this part but the main thing is to have an understanding that there are obligations to be met as part of the Management of Health and Safety at Work Regulations 1999. The next regulation I want to discuss is the Provision and Use of Work Equipment Regulations, also known as PURE. There are five regulations that I want to discuss. There are lots more, but the five main ones I want to discuss as part of this podcast are Regulation 5 in relation to maintenance, 6 is for inspection, number 7 is for specific risks, Number 8 is for information and Regulation 9 is for training. So Regulation 5 covers maintenance and advises that every employer must ensure that work equipment is maintained in an efficient and working state and in good repair. You will need to check the safety related parts and make sure that they are functioning correctly. This could be a simple functional check of a guard switch or an emergency stop. This is to ensure that undetected faults don't build up and result in a loss of a safety function, especially when you need it the most. You should also keep records in the form of a maintenance log and keep it up to date. It's only a recommendation, but for the purpose of machinery, it would make sense to keep track of everything. This helps with planning for future maintenance activities. Regulation 6 covers inspection. This is something that very often gets overlooked because they are either not aware or they give in to commercial pressures to get the machine up and running as soon as possible. As a provider of work equipment, you must inspect it after it has been installed and before being put into service for the very first time or assembled at a new location. If a machine is moved within the premises of a business, it must have a risk assessment to reflect the new location. 
This is to check that new hazards have not been introduced by it being moved to the new position. It must also be inspected at regular intervals to check for wear and tear and deterioration that might lead to a dangerous situation. Also keep a record of that inspection for future reference. Don't lose this report as it's your proof that it was inspected and shows you have at least met Regulation 6 of PURE. Regulation 7 deals with specific risks where the use of the machine might expose certain individuals to risks that are outside their level of training and expertise. The usual types of risk that can expose people are those surrounding maintenance activities. For instance, going inside of an electrical control panel to carry out some fault finding, or removing a guard to get access to a drive belt or gear drive. These specific risks must be controlled and managed in an appropriate way, and it is those who have the training who should only be allowed to carry out those tasks where those specific risks exist. Regulation 8 deals with information and instructions. This regulation has an overlap with the Health and Safety Work Act. You have an obligation to provide information and instructions that are necessary to protect their health and safety. You need to make sure you have all the operating and maintenance manuals from the manufacturer or supplier of the machine so that you can provide them to the operators who are going to be interfacing with your machine. This information should cover how the machine is going to be used, anything that is abnormal but foreseeable and what actions should be taken if a situation should occur. Make this information available to anyone who needs it and make sure it's not stored in a dusty old cabinet in a cellar at the other end of the factory where it's been long forgotten. Make it available and tell people where it is. Put a short document together with pictures and writing to explain how to use a machine and have it on the shop floor. You could even have a QR code on the machine with a link to the document for those who need them and when they need them. So in summary, Regulation 6 covers the extent and nature of the equipment. It deals with the different situations where inspection of work is required, the purpose of the inspection in each case, who should carry out the inspection, keeping records of inspections, and the work equipment that is not covered by Regulation 6 and why. Summary of Regulation 7. This regulation deals with restricting the use of some equipment to people who are trained and the use of equipment and in the specific risks involved. Having identified equipment that involves specific risks, the employer also has to decide who can repair, modify, maintain or service it and provide the appropriate training for those people. A summary of Regulation 8 there is a general duty in the Health and Safety Work Act to provide employees and others such as temporary workers supplied through an employment agency with the information and instructions that are necessary to protect their health and safety. Regulation 9 deals with training. As a provider of work equipment you have to ensure that those who are going to interact with the machine have received adequate training. This is dependent on the existing level of competence and will vary between temporary workers who have just started for the first day to maintenance personnel who have spent a long time in the work environment with that particular machine.
The aim of the training is to close the gap between what they know now and what level required to operate the machinery for the tasks they are expected to do. This is what I would consider to be an indication of what is adequate training. The next regulation I want to discuss is a reporting of injuries, diseases and dangerous occurrence regulations 2013. The part of these regulations that I want to focus on are the ones in relation to specified injuries and there are types of injuries you should consider when identifying hazards and managing risks on your machines. The list of specified injuries in RIDOR Regulation 4 includes a fracture other than to fingers, thumbs and toes, amputation of an arm, hand, finger, thumb, leg, foot or toe, permanent loss of sight or reduction of sight, crush injuries leading to internal organ damage, serious burns covering more than 10% of the body or damaging the eyes, respiratory system or other vital organs, scalpings, so that's a separation of skin from the head which require hospital treatment, unconsciousness caused by head injury or asphyxia, any other injury arising from work in any closed space which leads to hypothermia, heat-induced illness or requires resuscitation or admittance to hospital for more than 24 hours. In summary, I have discussed a lot of information but try not to go too deep as I have purposely missed out certain parts for simplicity and to get the essence of the important documents you need to appreciate. I've put a few links in the show notes if you want to read or download the documents for a deeper understanding. I covered the health and safety at work at 1974. I discussed the four key areas where you have to take responsibility as a provider of work equipment. You have to maintain the equipment in a safe standard. You have to provide information and allow the machine to be accessible, including the space around it. Then I discussed the management of health and safety regulations. Regulation 3 related to risk assessment, your obligation to carry one out and what to consider as part of that risk assessment. Regulation 10 related to the information for employees and that's to include preventative and protective measures, foreseeable misuse and who is authorised to operate the machinery. In PURE, I cover Regulation 5, so that was maintenance and advises that every employer must ensure that work equipment is maintained in an effective and working state and in good repair. Regulation 6, as a provider of work equipment, you must inspect it after it has been installed and before being put into service for the very first time or assembled at a new location. Regulation 7 deals with specific risks where the use of a machine might expose certain individuals to risks that are outside their level of training and expertise. Regulation 8, you need to make sure that you have the, all the operating and maintenance manuals from the manufacturer or supplier of the machine so that you can provide the operators who are going to be using and interacting with your machine. Regulation 9 deals with the training, so as a provider of work equipment you have to ensure that those who are going to use and interact with the machine have received the adequate training. And in Ridor I covered the list of the significant risks that you must consider when carrying out a risk assessment. Thanks for listening to me and if you know of anyone who would benefit from what I have just discussed then please do share it. Also if you have anything you would like to hear me discuss in an upcoming podcast 
drop me a line in the usual social media channels. Also check the show notes for important resources and links. If you liked it, then please hit that subscribe button. This helps make the show grow to reach more and get more people talking about machinery safety. So when machinery safety matters, remember the Machinery Safety Matters podcast. Until next time, bye for now.